Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, la, and la. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a Football fans, it's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to episode 21 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. As always, sitting right next to me, Adam Rank. What's going down, Rank? Hey, boss. Thank you for having me. All right. Okay, yes. It's a pleasure to see you again. I appreciate it. Listen, I'd love to make small talk kibitz with you about this and that, but we have our pal from uh, from AccuScore, oh, yeah. the Blue Horseshoe, rolling in here. We're going to break it down for you. We're also going to unveil the first installment of my projections. We do that uh, We do that uh, as, as an ongoing thing during the season because it matters where you're going to be seated in the playoffs. That's all that matters in mm-hmm. the NFL, not these 1 through 32 or 5, 15 or things that other people do. All that matters is who's going to win the division, who's going to get the wild card. That's what matters. We're going to do that with uh, with uh, our pal from AccuScore, and we'll issue our first pre- uh, preseason uh, predictions here. And you know they're subject to change. We'll see what happens. But so oh, excited. We, we, I have a feeling as we hash through eight divisions worth of football, though um, we're gonna it, this one is going to be a long one. So yes. let's just get right to it quickly, though. Episode twenty one. And we appreciate you subscribing on iTunes if you if you desire or NFL.com. Look for Ranks Pick 6 segments and uh, 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 written pieces and uh, other fine stuff that way. And also the Damashek blog should be up any moment now. If it isn't already, We uh, with each episode, we honor the player who wore that number best. Today, it's number 21. And to me, it's a clear-cut winner here. 
It's Roberto Clemente, the late, great Roberto Clemente. And um, Tim Duncan, one of the all-time greats, maybe the greatest power forward of all time. He's up there, prime time. Mm -hmm. You know him, right? I do. Does he talk to you? No. He doesn't talk to you? You've never talked to I think there's some sort of Florida State, Cal State, Fullerton baseball rivalry. Ah. So he, he... He's not I get too it. fond of Great me. stuff yesterday if you missed episode 20 with uh, another Florida State alum, Jamie Dukes. He doesn't, uh, yeah, he doesn't give me the, the no, uh, top He was delightful. There. Stan Makita of uh, NHL lore, great Chicago Blackhawk. Mm-hmm. Um, Ladanian Tomlinson, right. I have to mention him. Michel Briere, another Pittsburgh athlete who died tragically young, this time in a, in a car accident. His uh-huh. number's retired, Pittsburgh Penguin. Anyway, go and ahead. And then? I don't know. That's it. And then? And then what? What? You're missing. You're, yeah. First of all, Michael Cooper. I, I didn't Michael even know Cooper? he wore 21. I, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, go ahead. The Koopa Loop. It was there. You're missing two guys. I know who guys. he is. Yes. You're missing two guys. Lay it on me, fella. Don't play games. At Angel Stadium. Nolan Cromwell. Ah, former right. teammate of Dieter Brock. <laughs> there we go. Oh, we're back on track. We missed Jeez. the Dieter Brock in 20. You're right. And uh, Wally Joyner. Hmm. Irrelevant, but all right. What? No, no. Wally Joyner was very Wally good. Wally Joyner. Halo is going to catch the uh, going to catch the Rangers. I think America will be happy with the outcome. All right. I think you've just said it all. The red, white, and blue of the Texas Rangers. Oh, how them. dare you! No, no, no. All right. Best wishes to your uh, to your Halos. Listen, that three Santana Weaver. Heron, what about Weaver signing his contract? Sorry, Yankees. I think he's not going to get overpaid by you. What do I think of it? I think by the time the playoffs are afoot, whether it's the Rangers or Halos, America won't care. Why? Because football will be underway. Let's talk about it now. Hit the theme music and get the shoe in here. He's the blue shoe. He's the blue. With his evil computers, he'll calculate who beats who. He's the blue. Oh, that sounds sweet, don't it, Rank? What? What is? Why blue? We'll get a little. First, let me tell you who he is, though. He's uh, he's Zach Rosenfield from uh, from AccuScore, our old pal, and uh, a lover of the McRib sandwich. By the way, <laughs> a point of much contention between never had one me and uh, me and him over the years. Welcome, uh, welcome. Long time no see, Shu. What's going down, fellow? Dave, Dave, it's good to be back. The new digs. I'm very happy to be here and reconnect. Yes, it's wonderful. Yes, now you can address uh, ranks. Blue horseshoe. What is that about? Blue horseshoe. Talk about it. Blue horseshoe stems from a column I used to write, a blog, if you will, uh, talking about various uh, thoughts on a Saturday or Sunday as it relates to football. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the movie Wall Street. Big fan of uh, you know Gordon Gecko leaking information to the Wall Street Chronicle. The Blue Horseshoe loves Anacott Steel. And being the original guy I am, I took it from my own. Yeah, see, but um, but so it's not that's a reference true. to Peyton Manning. That's team. what I was afraid of. Or yeah. Harry Collins' team, I guess I should say. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about AccuScore. I talk about. I, I've said it many times before. You know, you know me, Rank. I operate from the heart and the gut when it comes to football matters. Yes. When it's facts, time to, mean nothing to you. What? Yes, no <laughs> fact, no reckless speculation where it's at for Damashek. <laughs> and listen, it works out quite a bit. Like like my pick last year of the KC Chiefs, that worked out just uh, beautifully. What told me to do that? My heart, my gut, you see. Now, 
at the the shoe over here. He has his evil computers. They they're doing all these thousands and thousands of uh, of simulations of games to tell him. But you know, I tell him all the time. Listen. I have seen The Matrix. I'm a student of history. I've seen The Matrix, and I've seen the Terminator uh, trilogy. I know what's going to happen. See, you rely too much on these computers to your uh, you know, to your own demise there, Shu. Be careful. Well, we now have penetrated NFL.com and NFL Network. So uh, our expansion, which you predicted in 2007, mm-hmm. is now happening. Yep. See? You see what's happening, Rank? It's too much. The computers are going to overwhelm us. When is it? 2018? No. <laughs> so, I can what, st- so I can stay employed at least. Isn't that what John Connor told us that yes. 2018 is when is when I, it begins. We've got a few years. Enjoy your computers now. I expect a naked guy to come running in here right now. Be like, I got to stop the computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, and, and by the way, I mentioned the Matrix. I don't want to get into a tangent. I want to hear what uh, what AccuScore has to say. What the shoe has to tell us about the uh, the 2011 season. But we were talking on the way in here. You watched uh, you watched Out of Sight yesterday, huh? Such a good movie. I mean, it was one of Clooney's first movies where he became. A, a movie star, and J Lo is uh, Jennifer Lopez at the time. J Lo, J Lo. That's J-Lo. how you pronounce it. I like that. I like the, uh, <laughs> the emphasis was, on the second. She was very uh, tolerable in the role. I like. I like the idea, the cat and mouse love story. But also, I like. You know what is underrated? I love Michael Keaton showing up as the uh, as the FBI, with the FBI guy <laughs> with you the FBI. Shirt that's yeah, with the Dennis Farina scene and everything. <laughs> but the fact that we see him in multiple pictures, he's also in Jackie Brown mm-hmm. as a Fed. I like that uh, the idea of doing that of uh, running a character through uh, different pictures like well, that. Well, Elmore Leonard was so popular in yeah. the nineties. He, I think, it was great until I mean. I think Jackie Brown may have killed it, actually. Get Shorty was Get Shorty is, what a, a, great is, a, movie. is a dandy picture. Yep. It's a delightful picture, it's yes. A, it, it, it's witty, and it's fun, and it was pre-Travolta backlash. Yeah, I also just watched yesterday, I watched uh, Road to Perdition. Mm-hmm. This is an underrated picture. Hanks, it's Newman's last picture on the face of the earth. It was not animated, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Tom Hanks' last good picture. And uh, Daniel Craig emerges as this uh, sinister bad guy, and Jude Law is this creepy guy. It's a great picture, underrated. I my hypothesis why it didn't do well is is because perdition that uh, if you ask uh, I bet ninety eight point seven percent of America has no idea what the word perdition means. Imagine if you went with its synonym and called it road to destruction. That would have done right. gangbusters mm-hmm. at the box office. Tentpole. Right? Yeah, right. Tentpole. Let's listen. Let's talk about uh, about the twenty eleven season here. Whoa, oh. no water spill right on your uh, right on your iPad. That's how I. That's this how, is how you welcome me to your to, to, to your podcast. That's what I say to Steve Jobs. I guess that's uh, it's really a shot of him. Zing. Sorry about that. Um, here we go. Oh, thank you. There's a towel. towel. Clean up. Sorry Thanks. about that. Fella. How do you not have one on the ready for Damashak? It's true. You I think can always cap your water. There are more shows uh, where I spill water than where I don't. All yes. right. So, uh, all right. Listen. Let's dig into it here. And my first question to you is: What is the team? That in 2010 won their division that you feel is the least, or not what you feel, what uh, what your evil computers tell you, is the least likely to miss the, the playoffs outright. Kansas City. I mean, you, you know, you started off by saying that Kansas City was definitely a team that you were able to predict. Outside of their schedule and who they played, there was no reason to think that Kansas City was going to be a force. I mean, they what they brought in Barry and they brought in, uh, you know, Dexter from, from Ole Miss. And those guys immediately started to have an impact. But Kansas City was such an enigmatic team. I don't know the exact number, but they they lost by three to four touchdowns more so than any team that was ever considered good. I don't think anybody ever really felt that they were elite. But when you combined a slow charger start, 
the Raiders, you know, re, you know, creating damage which within the division, perfect storm for Kansas City. So even though they did what they did last year, we think that they are more indicative of a ball club that had the result in the playoffs than they were over the long sample of the regular season. So we're expecting a major step back. I mean, they won the division last year. This year, they're winning it 8% of the time. That's not a lot. Really? 8%. Damashek says that they repeat, although this John Baldwin news is uh, is troubling to me. But so, so you know, to me, I, I realize that there is in uh, in the free agency era of the NFL, these teams seem to come out of nowhere. You know, a team that was, uh, you know, single digit wins the, the previous season suddenly spikes up, wins a division. And then the following season, they, they plummet back to earth. I think the Chiefs, how, I mean, uh, just rationally, look at that offense. How can anybody stop that offense? It's, it, to me, I keep saying it, it's castle proof. Did you, did you so many this? weapons, so mm. many weapons well, all over the field. So many weapons, really, or just a, a competitive no. lineup? Dwayne Bowe. Let's right. say John Baldwin can get in there. Steve Breston is a, is a very Do nice proven. you think Dwayne Bowe is a top 10 wide receiver? Of course he is. I mean, how, how can you refute that? He had he had Chris Chambers as the best uh, as the second best option in that offense as a pass catcher last year, and he was dynamite. Now you have Steve Breston. Presumably, at some point, you're going to have John Baldwin doing nothing but running streaks all the, the whole game and and taking uh, a DB or two away from Dwayne Bow, Jamal Charles, Tony Moiaki. They're forecasting to be there. Dallas Clark maybe catching 80 balls this year. I just think that the, 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 this team is loaded for bear at least offensively, and everybody talks about what. Well, as Weiss walked away, it's Todd Haley's team. It's his offensive philosophy. Charlie, That's what's more important. Charlie Weiss was never in the decision-making I process, of, especially right. in the last eight games of the year last right. year. When when Bo disappeared, by the way? No, Bo started slowly, you forget. Bo no, took he, off. Bo, no, you forget. Bo was dropping a lot of passes. Remember, they went into Indianapolis and had that game. You know, he dropped some major passes in a game that they could have won and then suddenly took off. What I want to do is I don't want to say that I think it came across that I'm a, I'm, I'm not I'm a hater on Dwayne Bowe. I'm not. I, I think he's a really solid quintessential NFL wide receiver. I'm not sold on him as a superstar or being amazing, but he's really, really, really good. Uh, he's not in the top ten, though. No, I don't see him as a top ten. But I'm not going to sit here and, and rip off the, the ten in front of him. That's. But I don't. I've never considered Dwayne Bow a top ten wide receiver. All right, but, but, uh, but he's again, solid. but again, yes. If he's their number one target, still you have Jamal Charles uh, carrying the load. Thomas Jones is a, is a nice banger. Like I say, Moiaki, Dexter McCluster is another guy. You reference him. He really was hurt for the majority of the season. Great player. He, he can be a poor man's Reggie Bush for that offense. I just don't. Reggie under- Bush is a poor man's Reggie Bush. Well, that's another. <laughs> subject i think reggie bush is going to have a, a nice year there i you know daniel thomas so far sort of doing the ryan matthews thing i don't put a lot of stock in in what happens daniel in thomas the preseason. Is good running back well yeah i know but but everybody in the same way that everybody last year was so high on ryan matthews even though they'd never seen him play a down Dang. football i know you have rank but the majority of people that I've were drafting him in the first Big round 12 guy i've seen in, i've seen thomas he's sure. he, he's he's a solid solid no back. i know but but fantasy people were falling all over themselves to get uh to the last year to get Ryan Matthews uh, in spite of never having watched him. I think Daniel Thomas is the same sort of guy that people are high on, even though they have no idea what he's capable of doing. Let's go back to Kansas City, though. What's in- interesting about the NFL is that you're broken up into divisions, and you have to win your division. I but, heard about that, yeah. But your division record isn't the first arbiter of whether you make the playoffs. It's what you do overall. So you have a situation like the Raiders could sweep the division and not taste the playoffs. Kansas City really had a perfect storm last year. They were playing a crummy schedule. 
that they performed against. They got off to a good start, and San Diego got off to a really bad start. Typical of North Turner teams. What does it, the computer say about North Turner? Is there a factor that you're going to throw in there? No, there, there's not. But there is a certain sort of logic where you say, how often does a team that this good continue to you know, muck it up at this period of time? And it becomes bizarre. But if you take a look at what their schedule is this year, opening up against Minnesota, they're an 84% favorite, meaning we simulated that game 10,000 times, 8,400 times San Diego beat Minnesota. If you take a look at San Diego's opening five games, high probability that they're 4-1. and one. They go to New England. That's going to be a tough game. From the computer point of view, we have to give the nod to the Patriots. No reason not to. But if you take a look at the rest of their schedule, San Diego is going to be a prohibitive favorite every other game to win those games. And that's something you have to pay attention to. So if San Diego is the most talented team and every other team are full of questions or potential and San Diego starts four and one, then they're already two or three games ahead of the field. I hear you. And so obviously what uh, the bottom line is, is that the AFC West is is going to the Chargers, according to your evil computers. I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, although I am uh, a little shaken by the, the news of, uh, you know, disharmony in the locker room and everything. But, you know, I don't think there are a lot of questions. Again, I think they have a good, young, aggressive defense. And Todd Haley's offense, it has nothing to do with Chaz Weiss, like you point out. Everybody brings that up to me constantly. Although I don't know what they're going to do without their offense. Of coordinator, no, they still have their offensive coordinator. I know that there's nominally a guy who wears the OC tag for Casey, but everybody knows it's Todd Haley. The good so, news is that Todd Haley won't have to go up to Matt Castle after a meeting this year and say, "Don't listen to anything that guy says." <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd Haley has his own uh, personality disorder that he can't shake people's hands. All right, enough, <laughs> enough's enough. This is getting to be a nasty little trend to to to, to be wounded emotionally <laughs> because uh, because in the in the preseason the op- the opposing coach wants to see what his third stringers right. are capable of doing at the end of a game. That was rude. You hurt my feelings when you did that. My my players are gonna have a hard time overcoming what you did to them scoring those points in the last ten. Uh, ridiculousness. It's like the NFL's coaching version of uh, Eastwood and Gran Torino. <laughs> Get off my lawn! <laughs> we used to stack coach... Okay, we've lost. I resent that. I resent you saying that. Uh, uh, Eastwood is a man's man. Todd Haley's <laughs> acting like anything but constantly. I'm not going to shake your hand. Josh McDaniels last year, you ran the score. I'm like, fat. Anyway, what what about Gilbrandt? I I refute that uh, his his contention that the Raiders are going to make the playoffs this year. I think that they're again. I think they're at best the third uh, the third place finisher in their own division. Meaning well, that there's no way they can get to the division if my my uh, hypothesis that the wild cards likely come out that Jets or Patriots, one of those two teams, whoever doesn't win that uh, doesn't win the East gets uh, the one of those wild cards. And then I think there's a. A, a decent likelihood that the loser of the Ravens and Steelers in the North claims another one. Then plus the Texans on the rise, yeah, the Jags just, should be good. Inc- I, I just don't see where the Raiders. If you take a in. look at the incumbents within the division, maybe not the ones who won the last year, but who are the class of the divisions of the AFC: the Chargers, the Colts, Steelers, and Patriots. If you take it, what goes next level? The Jets. I mean, back-to-back conference championships. Baltimore, conference championship game last year, blowing a lead against the Steelers. And Houston is everybody's team this year that's really the glamour pick. So take a look at like preseason glamour picks. You have your Chiefs. You have Don't the, give them to me. No, I'm no, just saying. No, I, 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 I hear yours. I hear yours. You have, you have your Chiefs, then you have the Raiders, and then you have Houston. Well, which team really looks like they're on the precipice of being good? 
who bettered themselves? And the Raiders are playing in a pass-happy division. They lost Namdi Asunwa. They lost their tight end. They're still rolling out Jason Campbell at quarterback. So I look at until until week six when we when the world meets uh, Terrell Pryor. <laughs> so that so so I take a look at them and I don't like their variables. I like Houston. I like Baltimore. I like the Jets ten times more than the Raiders. And from a personnel point of view, I just don't see how the Raiders, outside of somebody wanting to be a you know step out as you did with the Chiefs, can really put a foundation behind liking them this year. Not not saying they're going to be like the Jamarcus Raiders, but I don't see them. Uh, making the playoffs. All right, I hear you on that. So, all right, as I put together the projections, um, I, I feel like I'm going to stick with the Chiefs there. I So we're uh, we're on the same page. Raiders are outside mm-hmm. looking in. I do think the Chargers are going to be good, though. It is, it is, that is very tough. And I think they are going to get one of those wild cards. I have a bad feeling, as a matter of fact, when we talk about AFC North. Rank and I were talking about it uh, yesterday. Well, you brought it up, and of course, uh, any Steeler fan knows this, and the yeah. history doesn't favor the Steelers. Yeah, the last two appearances in the Super Bowl, they failed to reach the playoffs the following season. Now, Coach Coward, you know that was whatever ten years, you know what, what was that seven years ago now? That so that there's not much of a correlation between those players and that coaching staff and everything. But it, it is uh, it is an ominous uh, thing to throw out there that uh, the under Coach Tomlin they didn't make the playoffs last year. And I happen to think that once again, I keep saying it that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have exposed how you defeat the uh, the the Steelers defense. You just spread them out and it negates the pass rush and you isolate their 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 lousy dbs and you can torch them so i feel like the steelers are in a little bit of trouble the only thing is i don't know if the ravens but i I, i'm a believer in the ravens except for their receiving core i don't know if lee evans steps up or if tory smith does that's the only thing i think joe flacco is for real and i think ray rice is going to have a gangbusters year and their defense is obviously going to be good but uh but I, i i do um I, I do wonder about that, but I, but that being said, I'm taking the Ravens in the AFC North. How well, say you? I, I I think either way you're going to be fine because I think both of them are going to make the playoffs. We have the Steelers winning the division 50 percent of the time. We have the Ravens winning 47 percent of the time. So who's uh, the three percent? Yeah, Cle- Cleveland, Cleveland, and Cincinnati are scrapping over that. Uh, <laughs> we they might have a there panic. cannot be a single simulation that has the Cincinnati Bengals winning the, the winning. I'm that throwing division. a red flag on the computer. There's zero point eight. Four percent that they just make it happen this year. Who day? <laughs> <laughs> it should be interesting to point out the last two te- the last two Super Bowl winners, who, or excuse me, Super Bowl losers who actually made the playoffs came from the NFC West: the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Hmm, that's an interesting little tidbit. Thanks, Rank. Sure. From from what you're saying <laughs> though, that's not really something that we can measure. Like the letdown, we see a Steelers team that returns almost the same ball club that was in the Super Bowl that was one fumble away from probably winning the Super Bowl. I think we can all agree I, to that. I agree with that. People seem to want to hang it on uh, Roethlisberger. I of no, course, uh, no, say it was they, they, fumble. At they the start had t- of the completely period. taken over that game. Mm-hmm. Completely taken over that game. So. What I like about Pittsburgh is that they've decided to get faster, even though they're in a cold weather environment. Just look at what they've done with Mike Wallace and being able to extend the field and be not just this underneath team, but Baltimore solid. And if you take a look at why those two teams click, great coaching, better front offices. What do you say about the Indianapolis Colts? Of course, the Kerry Collins news. I, you know, as a side note, I do not like 
that in week one were already playing monumentally important division games. You have the uh, the Steelers and Ravens hooking up in the north. The winner of that game has right out of the gate the inside track to the division crown. It's too soon. It's 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 the same as if your Sooners were playing if, if they had to play Texas in the first week of the season. That's no good. It's I, it's, I, I don't like all so much. Uh, so I, it, it's the same as uh, going into a college class and on the first day they you know they say here that we're giving you a pop quiz and it's going to be sixty uh, percent of your final grade. Yeah, I prefer to get the syllabus and told to see see on Wednesday. Right. Yeah, I, I think that it's unnecessary for the NFL. I mean, they have such right, a great— Right, of course, week one is the one week you know everybody's yeah. going to watch, no matter who what well, the match is. They're going to watch right. no matter what, but it, but it really is unnecessary. I don't like the idea of Pittsburgh and Baltimore wasting a game in 80 degrees. It, it's too much fun to see them when it's cold right? and get see people get bit knocked out. Indianapolis is a huge variable. Well, but, that, but, that's the, but, but that was what I was going to say, is that now you have Indianapolis and Houston. And if, in fact, if finally, I mean, you say that Houston is uh, everybody's darling right now. That's been the case for at least the last five years. Mm-hmm. People have been saying, this, this, finally, this is the Texans year. And it never is. I got to say, I am uh, I, I am a believer in it. I'm, a cautious, I'm cautiously optimistic about well, their chances. No, of, nobody knows what the Colts are going to be without Peyton Manning and how long that goes and how long if he's out and physically can't play then how long will it take for him to get his sea legs once he does play because it's not a one two three thing so it could be very possible if Houston comes out of the gate and plays exactly how they do and the Colts struggle Houston might be taking a two to three game lead in a division into October that's going to be very hard to run down all of a sudden you start to take a look at the Colts makeup and all of a sudden they start to look old even though they're not old, they're just not young anymore. They're crafty, and that might be a little too much for them to run down. A lot of questions. Garcon had a little fall off last year. Austin Colley with the with the getting bonked on the head. Reggie Wayne is getting up there now. Peyton Manning is getting up there. These are the sort of things you don't think about until all of a sudden you're confronted in early October with their record, what the record of the hot young team is. But if they can get through it within a game, maybe just one game back from Houston, you'd have to like Peyton's chances going into late October, November, and December with them, assuming that, A, he can stay healthy. I always take a look. I don't know what the numbers are, but guys who you know miss camp and don't play, they seem to be really subjected to, to injury. It seems like they're more exposed after coming after a holdout or missing it. You just need to have game game. That's time. anecdotal, but I wonder if there is. Somebody must have done the mm-hmm. uh, done the research on that. It does feel that uh, feel that that's the case. But you talk about teams that uh, w- that are surrounded by questions. To me, the Colts have more questions than the Texans do. Of course, their secondary is the is the perennial question. In Houston, but Jonathan Joseph and then uh, and then Brandon Harris seems like suddenly that you know assuming that the kid out of Miami Harris emerges a little bit in his rookie season seems like that's suddenly a position of strength for them and I don't really see many weaknesses for him. The from, Texans just have to be decent though on defense because their offense is so good. True from a leadership point of and view, and it though. should be gangbusters. In fact, in fact, because Wade Phillips with the three four and Mario mm-hmm. Williams and the and the pieces that they have that seem like they're capable of uh, of being uh, you know a good attacking defense. I don't. I again, I think that uh, that's the best in that division. But it really depends what the records look like. I mean, if if through five games the Colts are two and three and and the, and the Texans are three and two, I think it's advantage Colts. Because they know that they've taken the best punch that the league's had to offer. They're going to get in good with the Colts. And all of a sudden, you take a look at the, the Texans, and they're not separating themselves. So a lot, lot to be said early, but that's a really fascinating division. I'm not as high on the Jaguars at all. I mean, we 6-10 and 10, in our opinion. Tennessee, yeah. 6-10? 6-10. 
Wow, I'm surprised by that. And yeah. I'm actually surprised. I mean, somebody, obviously, if there's going to be a 12-4 and four team in the division and a 10-6 and six team, then the, then the other uh, teams in that division have to be, you know, obviously under 500 in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Tennessee seems like they have some interesting pieces. Hasselbeck get, is at least a little bit more of a threat to throw the ball if Kenny Britt a is in little, the lineup. Though. A and little, Opens things up a little bit for uh, for Chris Johnson. But, um, but uh, you know, I am a 6-10 and 10 for the Jags is is a surprise to me. It seems like they have a lot of nice pieces on defense, at least. Every, every, it's the NFL, though. Unless you're Buffalo, everybody's got some nice pieces. I guess. So, you know, they also have four games against Indianapolis and Houston. I mean, so we're just not, you know, we, we were asked by a lot of people, like, what what's the value of Chris Johnson? And I think that's why Tennessee's playing hardball, because I think Tennessee realizes that they're a dog team this year. I completely no agree with that. So, I think that they should absolutely let Chris Johnson walk away. To, it would be to their benefit to, to to bid him good day and start to move towards being a more uh, a passing team. And that's when you go to a team like uh, what you're seeing with, with, with uh, Baltimore, when you talked about Ray Rice. What I like about Ray Rice, or what I like about what Baltimore has done, is they built a running attack based on a brand, low to the ground, tough and gritty. So there's not going to be a big drop-off between Ray Rice and Ricky Williams. But you start to take a look at what Chris Johnson brings, lanky, you know, kind of fast, one of the best running backs in the game, can't take that away. But how if those big guys get, can't take the derp, you know, can't take the hits sustainably, why would a little guy get it? I, well, I agree. I don't think the, mm. the long-term future is bright for him. All right, so then what's the pick in the AFC South? I, I, I am actually going to stick my neck out, and I am going to take the Texans this year. Based on statistics and who we are as a company, we're not as—we we don't have the liberty to stick our necks out because we assume that Peyton Manning is going to come back and they'll have the numbers that they've had as an organization with Peyton. Maybe they lose a game or two more. Uh, we have them at 10-6, and 9-7. and seven. We have to give the nod to Indianapolis, but it's a vulnerable nod. I mean, we're not saying— you know, book it, go, you know, go wherever you need to go and yell Colts, Colts, Colts. They're vulnerable this year more so than any other year, but we have to go with Indianapolis. Isn't it interesting that you say you won't stick your neck out when the issue of the division is Peyton Manning's neck? Well, <laughs> I think that we need to be practical. And there's, there is a, a level where you, you, when you're using primarily and only statistics, where you do have to, you know, apply a little bit of what you know and say if statistics are only based on what Manning and this crew that's been nothing but successful we're going to do. But there are these variables. You're a fool not to pay attention to what you what you know. What about the uh, let's talk about the AFC East then. And uh, I, to me, I get something that I've said quite a bit is I think there are three or four teams in the NFC that are superior to anybody in the AFC. The one team that maybe uh, does get into that top two or three mixes is the Patriots in terms of talent. Uh, who do you think ends up? But, but obviously Rex Ryan now, you know, advantage to the Jets after what they did went into Foxborough. Still inexplicable. I have no idea how that happened, that the, that the Jets went in there and beat that team. But did they provide some template for 2011? Do you think that uh, that that pounding them on the ground is the way you, 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 you get past the Patriots? Assuming or is this their division look, again? The template to beat the Patriots was laid down by the Giants in the Super Bowl. You know, the, the Jets, you know, hit a perfect storm, and they played well and almost blew the game late. But I think you can equally say what happened on that Monday night game, that torching. In, New England is a superior team. I mean, what was that, three weeks or four weeks difference that, that they that they absolutely embarrassed the Jets, and then the Jets go in there and beat them? That made no mm-hmm. sense. Still, one, I still can't figure it out. In a one-game playoff, the, the Jets 
and Rex Ryan and all those guys are very scary. Over a 17-week, 16-game sample, you will take New England every single time. They brought in Hainsworth and they brought in uh, Ocho Cinco. We run the simulations. Zero impact this year versus last on those guys. Reason why? How do you better a 14-2 and team? You just can't. So those guys were able to sustain it. So New England, far and away, not only the class of the NFC or the AFC East, class of the NFL from a statistical point of view before the opening week. But don't you? So what about the Jets, though? I, I, I'm conflicted with them because, like you say, they are scary. And you look at the individual pieces out there. And I have some questions about Mark Sanchez, but he is in year three and he had a pretty high pedigree and so on. I would imagine, especially with the weapons he has to throw the ball to. I think that uh, that uh, that he's going to get a little bit better questions about the offensive line. But what about the Jets being a little bit smoke and mirrors? Because you can really make a case that they could have they very they should shouldn't have been in the playoffs two years ago. It's only because mm-hmm. the Jets laid down for him that they got in at all. The Colts, yeah. And then last, I mean, the Colts, sorry. And, uh, and then last year it was, it was nip and tuck for them getting in. You could, uh, so, so what are they for real? Are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender in 2011? I don't see how you can call a team that's gone to back-to-back conference championship games and beaten the likes of San Diego, New England and Indianapolis on the road in the last two years with Sanchez, at quarterback is not being a legitimate contender. But you have to pay attention to the offense. And you talk about the pedigree of Mark Sanchez. Look, USC was a great football team that produced Matt Leinart and Matt Castle and a bunch of guys that have done nothing on the next level, that were great in college, done nothing on the next level. Wait, you can't say that Matt Castle's done nothing. All right, so Matt Castle's been good. All right, maybe not nothing. But I'm not seeing that USC pedigree coming into the NFL as being like a rubber stamp for success. And I'm not so necessarily sure they got better at wide receiver. I mean, Brad Smith is gone, who was a playmaker. Allowed him to do the wildcat. They got older with... Um, Derek Mason as well yeah. as Plexico. Yeah, and, and they got older at wide receiver. Now, Derek Mason's great. You know that because, you know, from his days in the North. Plexico is a huge variable, but so is Braylon Edwards. So they didn't really replace a question mark with a period. There's no statement there. And Santonio Holmes is a dynamite wide receiver. Fantastic. What are you going to get out of LT now that he doesn't have as much to prove now that he's there? Sean Green's a great back. And then at the end, at the end of the day, you're still you're still rolling with Sanchez, and that's a big question mark. I agree, but what about the offensive line? That's the biggest. Uh, that, uh, Rank and I. Uh, this is uh, our, our new fe- our new feature. It's not the X factor, but the Blech factor <laughs> with teams, and that's the Blech factor with that team is is their offensive line. I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're all about that offensively. If they, if Sean Green doesn't as a lot of people are forecasting if he doesn't take off in fantasy terms and and in real terms then the jets i feel like are in a little bit of trouble if they if, if they have to be throwing the ball 60 percent of the time then then i don't think they'll ever throw shape. i don't think they'll ever throw it 60 percent of the time but what's important is if you take a look at when they do throw it it's probably high probability situations controlled situations mm-hmm. sanchez is what completing 54 percent of the passes Almost a one-to-one interception to touchdown ratio that got better last year, talking about rookie year moving into the sophomore season. So those numbers have to improve, especially in a controlled offense that's going to put it on the defense, play the game of field position. So if they put it into Sean Green, that offensive line can be great, but you're still dealing with a quarterback 
that has accuracy issues, mm -hmm. decision-making issues. And that's got to be a cause for concern, especially if and you— And personal hygiene issues, too. How about him How about him picking his nose and putting it on uh, his, his backup QB? And a, a distinguished gentleman of the game, Scott uh, the, the Mark Brunel, and to, and to treat him like that I thought was untowards, to say the least. Eating hot dogs on the sidelines, all this tisk, stuff. Tisk, tisk. All right, so we're going with the Patriots is what we're saying here. <laughs> really stuffing it on a limb. Not, not, not crazy there. All right, so let's review then. We're going to go. AFC East, we're in agreement. It's the Patriots. We're going to sure. say in the AFC North, I say Ravens. You say Steelers. Yes. What a strange. Uh... You say Colts. I say Texans in the South. And in the West, I say Chiefs. And you say the Chargers. Although I have to be honest, I'm really starting to get nervous about that. Do Chief I not pick. get a say in any of this? You get a pick. I'm just, I'm, what am I turning to you to ask for your opinion? Goodness gracious. You have to listen. You're a grown man. You can speak. No, you're like, I have this, you have this. Do I have to call on <laughs> you? Yes, you, you do. have to raise your hand I'm to speak? Sorry. I forgot because my name is on the show, boss. No, it's not on the show. Yeah, I know. Please, go. I know. Pick your Make your picks. Just Patriots? Listen, just indulge him. It'll be, it'll be done in a second here, Shu. How dare you? <laughs> Patriots, Ravens, Texans, Chargers. Oh. Although the Colts, you know, the, the, the thing about the Colts, it's like you said, they were tied, or were they trailing? They had to win their last four games last year to beat the Jaguars. And it just the thing that's always made me nervous is that Peyton Manning is a great regular season quarterback, and that if they're, like you said, if they're just close enough, they'll end up winning it. Uh, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go Texans here. Now let's talk wild card. What does yeah. uh, Shu, what does uh, AccuScore say will be the wild card representatives? Our two most likely wild card teams are going to be the runner-up in the AFC North okay, and the New York Jets. The Fo Jets. Followed by the Texans. I say Colts are out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the Colts are out. I'm going to say the Chargers get in. These are the initial projections subject to change. They change each week. And by the way, the projections, which you can look at at NFL.com on the uh, Damashek blog. Where is that blog already? It should be up sometime today or tomorrow. <laughs> It'll be up soon. And when it is, you will be able to review the projections on an ongoing basis. But, like, you know, people always do this thing with power rankings in the NFL. This ain't college football. We don't need one through 32. That means, right. that, that means nothing. What is important in, college, in pro football is where you're going to be slotted come division, come, mm. uh, come playoff time, one through six, the seeds. So that's how the projections work. That's how I lay it out. Yeah, we, I was just asking the Hall, uh, who, who do we have to win the Super Bowl? It's so hard to pick because it's all about matchups. So we can really predict the regular season because we have a roadmap of what it's going to look like. When you get to the postseason, it's a whole new dynamic, a whole new bracket. It, it's impossible to – we can tell you who the best teams in the NFL are that we think over the long haul, but – you know, there's no need to do power rankings unless you're trying to uh, get search engine op optimization on Google. Optimization, uh, big words. All right, so I say, so I'm going to say Chargers. Although I, I'll tell you, as we sit here, I'm starting. You're, you're sort of talking me out of the Chiefs a little bit, but the Chiefs number one for now. Your top wild card will be the Chargers, and your sixth seed in the AFC. <sighs> It's going to be the New York Jets. That's yep. right. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the outside looking in. Steelers are out. That's right. That's wow. how I just said it. What are, who are your two wild cards there, Rank? I would say the the runner-up of the AFC South, be it the Colts, Colts or, Texans. or Texans, one of them. I think the, the, the wild card is going to come from the AFC East. Dolphins. 
The Dolphins. I'll tell you, it's interesting. We've been talking about that team. Chad Henney is, uh, you know, obviously he's no great shakes or hasn't been to this point, but he has had flashes. He's not mm-hmm. a complete bum. I know that it's mm-hmm. easy to paint him in that way, but he's had his moments. And I think Brandon Marshall is, you know, it's not a liability necessarily. Brandon Marshall has had big seasons with lousy quarterbacks in the past. So if Chad Henney is no world beater, that's fine. Brandon Marshall has proven in the past. Last year was a down year, but that was the anomaly. Mm-hmm. He is he's thrived. He's had 100-plus catches with lousy QBs in the past. I love like him, I think there. Are, I think Reggie Bush is is a very nice in terms of fantasy, a nice sleeper. If he's your number two, I think you're going to end up being happy with that. And their defense is dandy, and their offensive line is is made in the same way that the Jets beat the Patriots last year. And in a division where they're going to throw the ball a lot, I think that they can really grind the team like the Patriots and you know spin clock and and, and uh, hopefully dominate defensively. Well, I don't necessarily think that the Dolphins have the edge on the Patriots, but if you do. No. Oh, I didn't know. But take a look at the Jets. When you really boil it down and take away what the Jets have done in the postseason, you just look from a personnel point of view. Is New York that much better than Miami? I mean, Adam, really, I, I love his pick right there. It's a great sleeper 25% of the time. Why don't uh, you two do a show together? Then? <laughs> 25% of the My time. My name wouldn't be on that one either, I'm sure. <laughs> Zing. Yeah, 25% of the time the Dolphins are making the wild card on our simulations that that's pretty that's pretty nice uh being that there's such a long shot in the division my last question on the afc who's worse buffalo or cincinnati cincinnati i think buffalo has again uh, some some nice pieces i mean I, I, N- nicer than cincinnati yeah i mean that because cincinnati's are two um, i mean they're two guys that are the their black factors are rookie andy dalton or Bruce Gradkowski. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, my expectation, by the way, is that Gradkowski takes that gig over mm, yes. fairly soon, right? I mean, and, and, that's, and that would be to the advantage of the Bengals and even to Andy Dalton. The idea that you want, if you're Cam Newton, same thing, on a lousy team to force a guy into the lineup like mm-hmm. that. I think that they're, you know, the emotional scarring of getting abused for an entire season. Obviously, Troy Aikman came through. Peyton Manning that. was pretty scarred by it, too. Well, uh, yeah, and John Elway had a chance. I, <laughs> I know there are examples, but I do think that that's not necessarily a great thing to take a physical beating on top of losing all, your, all the games that you play. I mean, obviously, there's an upside to it of getting a season of experience like that. But I, I think I've, I, if I were the Bengals with a long-term view, I might uh, let Bre- uh, Bruce Gradkowski take the beating. Uh, this year. Now, that being said, I think that the Bengals have a halfway decent offensive line, and with said Benson back in the lineup, I think they can sort of pound the ball a little. Have, but I just think that they I, have more I, talent too. They have more talent on with uh, defensively. You mean no, no offense, skill positions. AJ Green, uh, Jerome Simpson, Simpson yeah, Jordan, Jordan Shipley, Shipley yeah. Jermaine Grisham. Yeah, I, I think they're a little bit more. They're going to be a disaster. It's going to be wonderful, but. They're more talented. I think Buffalo's got some serious talent issues. Yeah, but Ryan Fitzpatrick versus uh, Andy Dalton, that, that that you know, that's advantage Bills. Stevie Johnson had a good season last year. C.J. Spiller and Fred Jackson. Fred Jackson. If, mm-hmm. if, if Spiller does take off this year. Spiller's or at least, fast. 
By the way, last thing to wrap it up. I don't know how good he's going to be, but I mean, if he's if he if he's a contributor at all, there's your skill right there. And I think individually, there's some there's some interesting guys out there defensively for him now. Yeah, or nay, wonderful uniform. Yeah, or nay on the white helmets. Love them. Love of course, em. I love them. What do I you agree. think about the, the Bills? Have uh, you know, Bills now suddenly have one of the they vaulted themselves into the top five or six of uh, uniforms across the NFL. And uh, now that you bring that up, I'm going to take the Bills to be the superior team because the Bengals now it, uh, take over the top <laughs> spot as the worst uniform. In the NFL, my wife calls them the kitty cats. They're awful. Yeah, those are those are. What's your favorite helmet in the NFL? Uh, uh, you know, the Steelers. I think. I really. I mean, I, that that be well. That's that's biased. I don't say the Steelers have the best uniform, mm. but what's cooler than uh, the the black helmet with the single gold stripe and and just uh, the logo on just the right side of the hat? Cool. I vote for the Eagles. I think they have the coolest, coolest helmets. They need to go back to the 1960 one that they wore in week one against the mm. Packers last year. That's the really cool. bland ones? Yeah, I the like Kelly that. Green? Yeah, that's nice. I like that. That's pretty sweet. The Raiders have nice yeah, nice hats. No the question Chargers would if they put the black numbers back on. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. That's the key. That's a that's a, such a missed opportunity. The white hat with the with the with the golden bolt, but you need the black number on the side. That's what made them cool. And I have to say, the Browns are nice too. Logoless hats. The only downside is is that they're named the Browns and the hat is orange. It's, it's strange. <laughs> and I understand that it's named after Paul Brown, but it still don't make sense. All right. Now, so we've established that. We'll see how that turns out there. And now let's move to the NFC. And I'll ask you the same question that we started out with, with the AFC. What team that was a division champion last year will not make the playoffs this year? I think everybody listening to this podcast are all yelling uh, Seahawks at once. Uh, Seahawks. I mean, the seven and nine. How can how can anyone say that that the Seahawks have no chance when they play in that lousy division? Well, they don't have no chance, but I'm not necessarily sure they they got better, and uh, the uh, the rest of the division didn't hurt itself. And you know, when you talk about seven and nine, we're picking the 49ers to win that division. We're picking them to win at eight and eight. We have Seattle at six. Again, there's not going to can't uh, that division can't produce a team that goes Above over five hundred. Oh. <laughs> and they'll be they'll be playing host to a to a wild card team that'll be ten and six. 11 yeah, they'll and be five. hosting the Falcons. And um, you know the West is just a, just gross. It's just gross top to bottom. I mean their quarterbacks gross. are are bizarre. There's not a lot of talent uh, from a. Uh, I mean there's talented players. Everyone's, what did you predict for the Cardinals? Uh, Cardinals seven and nine. Hmm. I'll tell you, it's funny. I happen to think, from a fantasy perspective, not quality of team, but actually for the numbers, the individuals you can get. I like the NFC West. As a matter of fact, I think all those teams are going to be productive offensively. I like Alex Smith. I'm with you 100. percent I'm taking the Niners to win that division. Mm-hmm. It's dawned on me. I was ready to go Cardinals there. Everybody's high on the Rams. All of a sudden, it seems like people are. Uh, look, look at the Rams' schedule. They're going to be one and six. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. I know start. that they have the same matchups, but that's really going to get in the heads of a young team. They're when they're one and six. Well, so what? The second half of their schedule is easy yeah these are these are guys that are going to take yeah, a I, physical I, toll to go one and six too. i absolutely believe yes and i yeah that's true i absolutely believe 
that if you're a football team, that when a couple of breaks go your way, that that, that that momentum is a hard thing to quantify. But I do believe that if you win a couple of tight games that you just as easily could have lost, suddenly when you're four and one, as a, as a, especially a young team, suddenly you feel like, wow, we're, we're on our way to the playoffs. I think that makes all the, I think that makes a ton of difference. And I think the same way, I think the Rams are, are, are going to have a bad season take because a, they're going to be in the tank after six weeks. Take a look at what Tampa Bay did with, uh, with their coach and Josh Freeman and going super young. I mean, they had zero expectations last year. They were going to be garbage, and they were great. And now you look at them this year, and nobody is lowering the bar on Tampa Bay. If anything, they got better in the offseason. I mean, I know they had the Tlaib issue, but there's no reason to say that they took a step back. You take a look at all these guys from the NFC West. Nobody's really asserting themselves. There's no reason. I mean, Kevin Cox. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, the Cardinals didn't get better? They, they got better, but they didn't get really better. I mean, Kevin. Really? Kevin Cobb is an unproven commodity. I agree with that. I, I well, let's wait and see what Kevin Cobb does. I mean, he's he's definitely better than Skelton or uh, they were starting or, Max Hall at quarterback. That's Max Hall a year ago. They were talking about. We really believe he had a in big this win kid against he, New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they didn't believe in him. They, they that's not what they. Skelton was a guy who's the long who was going to be the long term answer, and Max Hall was just a guy. Oh, I'm, I'm. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I stand corrected. You're right. That, that is the way they they positioned it. Yeah, Max Hall wasn't their QB, but either way, so Skelton's still there. But yeah, Kevin Cobb. Let's wait and see what he does. And when Larry Fitzgerald is is getting quadruple covered, we'll see who rises up to start get early. Do set. They had Cop- Steve Bradley. It's not like it's not like they had a great receiver opposite him yet last year. Steve Brett, he's fine. I know, and they were terrible. That's the point. Yeah, they were terrible with Steve Breston serving as their number two. It kind of hurts the Chiefs' argument. How? I, I do, no, 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 no. Listen, Steve Breston as a slot receiver. Good hair. Is, he has it. Well, he's, he's from uh, he's from my neck of the woods in Pittsburgh. He's yeah. from uh, from my neighborhood, as a matter of fact. But uh, but um, yeah, listen, as a slot receiver, he's effective. That's a, that's a different argument. But uh, um, uh, but so all right, continue. I agree with you that. And by the way, that Forty ers defense should be good too. I, I mean, they're weak in the secondary, but I, I obviously like their front seven. And um, I, the 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 three wide receivers now plus Vernon Davis is uh, is pr- a, a pretty nifty uh, group of guys to throw the ball to. Really hard to go to the mat on a team that we project to be eight and eight. So I, I kind of want to hedge myself on it. But but we do like them. I mean, am I the only one in the room? Who kind of thinks Sam Bradford's not soft, but fragile? Uh, you're the Oklahoma guy. You're just, so Look, you. I love you... his game, but I'm just I'm I'm concerned on him taking hits. He didn't take hits very well in Oklahoma. I mean, he got a concussion against Texas Tech, which was. It's kind of a soft concussion. Didn't look like he got hit very hard, and he got lit up by BYU in Texas. And those shoulder injuries are no good. And that sort of stuff just lingers with me. And they're all in with him. And if you're talking about them going one and six, there's a physical toll that going one and six takes that these guys might not even be fit to take advantage of the back end of their schedule. Well, and Steven Jackson, I've I've heaped praise on him because I feel like he's languished in relative anonymity on those lousy teams all these years. But he's taken a beating, and the big back syndrome at some point has to kick in here. I mean, Jerome Bettis is the only guy who ever who is you know a, a bruising style back who actually. You know, made uh, you know was still making hay deep into his career. I'm wondering how much uh, gas he has left in his tank. What's that? Jim Brown did. Jim Brown played nine seasons. Don't forget about Barry Word. Barry Word, the perfect <laughs> example. Christian Okoye, Kevin Mack. How long did he, he 
made it about a decade, too. I'm trying to think of the big backs. Pete Johnson. Seems like you have a window of about three or four years of success if you're if you're one of those big backs. All right, so we're uh, so you go Niners. Damashek goes Niners. How say you rank birds? You're taking the birds. All right, listen. That's in a lousy second. division, no no pick is insane. That's, that's our second choice. That's our second choice in the division. But I don't mind the Seahawks though. I, I well. It's it'll be interesting to see what becomes of them at least. It's, it'll be fun to to see that team because if they flame out, if they go, you know, six and ten, does Pete Carroll get canned? He's got a division win already. That's true. Well, he's they went seven he's and got, nine. And he's got a playoff. He's got a playoff he's got win. A too. Playoff win. He's got two playoff wins because the Sunday night game to get was a playoff so game yeah, to get yeah. them. In I the know, playoffs. but but you know, listen. The decision to make Tavares Jackson your starting QB is is awfully questionable, and I like Tavares Jackson. Well, they got Charlie I, Whitehurst off the bench. I always said that's true. I always said that um, two years ago that Brett Favre and that miraculous season, and you talk about those momentum kind of wins. Brett Favre and the last play of the game in. Uh, against the Niners that year That's when the Niners pass. were going well. He throws that pass. And that, I think, sort of defines the, the 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 way the Vikings then take off from that point forward. But that notwithstanding, not the, that one play, um, I feel like the, 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 with Tavares Jackson, with the, with the skill that they had around there, and as complete as that team was, I think they would have gone, what did they go, 13-3? and three? Is that what they were, 12-4? and four? They, I, I, I seem to recall they tailed off at the end of the season. But I, th- I think they would have been a terrific team with Tavares Jackson. But on this team, whether or not, wh- wh- that, that obviously isn't as talented, it's, it seems uh, questionable. And it makes me think, are they almost looking at this like, well, we got to get uh, Andrew Luck next year or, or one of the other kids? For. <laughs> I'll tell you, Minnesota has produced two great football teams that's come short in uh, the championship game. The uh, Chris Carter, Randy Moss team, fifteen to one team, fantastic, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, the team that lost to New Orleans probably would have won the Super Bowl. That team was fantastic and optimized. Everything was hitting for him. Favre was playing well, making great decisions until he stopped making a great decision, and he never recovered from as that. What about a Super as Bowl with Favre? Farvin Manning, just throwing uh-huh. interceptions across the bow. <laughs> <laughs> the last six minutes of the game, no. one interception return for a touchdown after the other. Yeah. Um, so, uh, all right, so let's move on. What division shall we tackle next? How about the NFC South? Let's take a look at that one. That one is loaded. The The Panthers are crummy. The other three are all legitimate uh, contenders to win that division. Did I, I hear correctly that Cam Newton has not completed a third-down conversion yet this you heard correctly, and I don't think he's throwing a touchdown pass either. Well, touchdown pass is different. A third down conversion, you get a lot of opportunities for those, especially in that offense. Almost every time you take the field, <laughs> you know how it's in the red zone. That's not good. Uh, the South is great division because you talk about— uh, And by the way, we talk about Chris Johnson and that uh, the Titans shouldn't spend that money on Chris— uh, spend that much money on him. Um, D'Angelo Williams is is a very—I don't understand the the thought process behind when you have as many holes as you do and you have Jonathan Stewart there, why you would invest that much loot in D'Angelo Williams. Completely unnecessary as far as I'm concerned. I would be very concerned about the decision-making process if I were a Carolina fan. Anyway, continue about the teams that matter. Well, the team that— you know, Carolina represents the team that we feel is the worst team in the NFL at the end of the season this year. Mm-hmm. So we think they'll be right back where they started. Will they take Andrew Luck? 
They're just going to draft a quarterback every year until the Raiders get... think that's ridiculous. <laughs> I think that uh, Matt Millen thinks that's ridiculous. I think that what's um, crazy though. I think Cam Newton's going to be good ultimately. But what's crazy though is they don't even have real good trade equity if they get the number one pick because it's not like they're threatening to take Andrew Luck. So I mean, nobody's going to make you know these crazy offers to get that pick. So. You know, the race for Andrew Luck could be the number two seed because what's Carolina going to get for? What if it's the Bengals, though? And they already have Andy Dalton. Well, the Bengals have shown that they only—well, they'll take Andrew Luck in a second. I mean, that's why they drafted Grisham and Shipley and A.J. Green. I mean, they're just addicted to skill players. I mean, there's nothing about building a foundation there. It's all about skill players. Well, I can't blame them after the Andre Smith debacle. (laughs) That that one hasn't worked out, yeah. So, um, all right, continue. So you take a look at the the NFC South. I want to hear your opinions. I, this is one where I don't think you can really be wrong. I mean, we still think Tampa Bay is the third best then team. Then I'll say Carolina. Okay. Can I be wrong? <laughs> Zing. Uh, Tampa Bay, we think, is a solid you know, solid team. Eight, eight, anywhere from eight to nine wins. But take a look at New Orleans or Atlanta. You're really splitting hairs. Neither of them are winning the majority of the, the simulations in the conference or in the division because Tampa Bay is a force that could actually easily go 10 and 6, 11 and 5 if they get that mojo going. Well, I think, you know, the thing with the Bucks that's very interesting, I think that I, I, my main concern with them is uh, who their pass catchers are. Mike Williams, last year, very good. We'll see what happens with them this year. But I don't think they're loaded at that position. And Josh Freeman, obviously, makes – he's, he's a guy, obviously, make as they say, makes plays with the legs um, and is on the rise. But I'm, I don't necessarily think that that offense is any – not necessarily. In fact, I'm certain that that offense is nowhere uh, close to being in the class of either New Orleans or Atlanta's. And that's a problem. But the intriguing thing about them is that defensive line. They've got a good – mm-hmm. talk about the pieces that they got uh, going there. Um, the kid out of Clemson. And Daquan Bowers was the first overall pick uh, until about six weeks before the draft. And then the knee issues, he doesn't have a long-term career. But that doesn't mean in the short term that he can't have two or three dynamite seasons. Imagine, and then you throw him in next to uh, to, uh, to Gerald McCoy and the rest of those guys. Boy, oh boy. Oh, and the, the kid Adrian Claiborne, too, out mm-hmm. of Iowa. For me, I, I think our pick, and not even for me, our pick is New Orleans. But by by barely any amount, I mean... To get into decimal points, we have them winning 10.1 games, and we have Atlanta winning 9.6. So it, it's so it's so close. But you start to take a look at the variables. You, New Orleans, you know exactly what you're going to get. Exactly. You have a better quarterback. You'll take Drew Brees over Matty Ice. You're going to take the wide receiving core from Atlanta over New Orleans. But it's that's pr- predicated on Julio Jones being as good as they say he's going to be. Roddy White's a complete stud. But as a receiving core... New Orleans is fantastic. They no longer have to worry about Reggie Bush being a distraction or trying to get him in the game or create plays for him. Reggie Bush wasn't part of the team really last year because he broke his leg. So now they can commit themselves to a, to a style of running attack without the gimmick of trying to get Reggie Bush in or waste plays to try to create it for him. So I, I like New Orleans. They're come, you know, it's, they bounced last year. They they came Super Bowl hangover, lost some games they shouldn't. My nod and and the nod for the computers is slightly to New Orleans, but. 
that not at not at the expense of stepping on Atlanta. We're on the same page. Right? Once again, I'm with mm-hmm. you. I say the Saints win that division. I think the defense, in spite of uh, the fact that they've looked uh, less than dynamite so far in the preseason, I, I put little to no stock in the preseason. Um, I like them. I like the uh, the Falcons. I do not like the Buccaneers uh, overcoming either one of those teams. How say you rank? The three of us are in agreement, and it's all because Drew Brees, like you said, is better than Matt Ryan. Yeah, mm-hmm. and everybody is very high on Mark Ingram, but let's also keep in mind that they have, uh, you know, they they still have a couple other backs still in the stable there. In the brand, and it's kind of what Baltimore did is New Orleans has said that we're going to be a finesse passing team, but we're going to be in between the tackles running. None of this Reggie Bush nonsense that didn't work out. They have a brand of running that I think is going to be very effective for Jimmy them. Graham. Great uh, breakout tight end in terms of fantasy and real football, but uh, but Marcus Colston is the potential blech factor for them with the bum knee and the uh, advanced years. Now he's got to he's he's got to be their number one. He, he's still he's, got that old old uh, you know those old helmets with the cushions around the head. Not one of those concussion proofs. Those kind of went away. I think they were called air or bike helmets. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still yeah. rocks that. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, and and by the way, I think the Falcons are probably going to get one of Damashek's wild cards here, but we'll have to figure that out. Let's uh, let's tackle now the NFC East. Dun dun dun. Interesting teams, just like last year. Um, I think you can make a case for each of those four teams, and I'm not saying that uh, I think the Redskins are going to win that division, but the idea that they, you know, that it's it's fun to make fun of how lousy they are and that they're, they're, they're the, mm-hmm. you know, they if you if you go back and look at their last decade, they sneak into the playoffs a fair amount of the time, and I like what they're doing. I think that there's some interesting pieces in the backfield now, and I know that it's, you know, I, who, whether, whether it's Beck or if it's uh, Grossman, I think they can get by with that uh, at QB, and and I like their defense. Can I take this one? Yeah. What? I don't think they're a terrible <laughs> team. I don't. I, I, I'm not saying that they're going to win the division, but I'm just starting out with the Redskins. Would it be gracious think, to the host right now? <laughs> you think they're going to be abysmal? Yeah, man. You just said it. John Becker, Rex Grossman. Come on, dude. All right, all right. Touche. I have not. I John Beck's like the only BYU quarterback that was like, eh. Well, he was better than Max Hall. Max Hall was. You know, kind of a fun little gunslinger. Yeah, as a BYU quarterback. Gifford Nielsen. (laughs) I mean, the idea that, 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 you know, Steve Young and Jim McMahon, and then after that, who's been a success in the NFL? Well, one of the Detmers was a long-term backup. Tie and co- I, well, I don't think being a long term backup makes you a success. Really? I would, I would, uh, I would uh, take that, John. All right, Jim, Jim Sorgi's turned it into a cottage industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's skip the Redskins entirely. Yeah, they're right? just cut them out. All right, that's fine. So be it. The team everybody talks about, the Eagles. Uh, what do you think? Well, they the division champions. Let, let me kind of do an end around. If if the Eagles got better, what did the Giants do? And the Giants took major steps back. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't help that they, you know, they've been plagued by injuries, mm-hmm. but they they were not active in free agency. And then you got their executive. Well, they're you a know, small markets. Well, exactly. <laughs> you got to watch out. And then you have their executive trying to fight their fans <laughs> on Twitter. But that's to me is the disconnect. Now, the guys like us get paid to have opinions. But we usually have our thumb on the pulse, and the opinions that this guy, this executive, was coming out was see in January. That's that's nonsense. I mean, that's barroom talk. They didn't get better in Philadelphia. Well, they've also been destroyed by injuries now. I mean, you know, Amukamura and uh, and uh, now uh, Thomas. You know, they're they're in a lot of trouble. That's not their mm-hmm. fault, but I mean, they're they're in trouble now in the secondary. 
it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Philadelphia decides to do with Asante Samuel. Because I heard that he's on the trading block. And what they were going to do seemed like they could be potentially trying to revolutionize the way defenses are played. With instead of going nickel back, that they were going to try to go man up in the slot or try to play three corners. And now it looks like that's not going to happen. I'm curious to know what happened from the point that they got Asamoah to now that what went wrong. Was it is this Samuels a discontent? Is it realized that they can't succeed this way or they feel like they can get better value? No, two no two minutes after mm-hmm. they, they, they signed Asamoah, that, those rumors started. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was, in fact, I thought that was going to happen same day. That mm-hmm. was the, the buzz was that they weren't going to have all three of those guys back there. But they were saying that they were going to try to rock it. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that from a talent point of view, that Philadelphia definitely brings the most to the table. I love Michael Vick. He's mature. I think he's going to try to avoid getting those hits that you know knocked him out in Jacksonville last year. But he's smarter now. I'm I'm not sold on Vince Young as a backup, but at least it's you know we talk about branding with your backups. At least they 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 are trying to do the same thing from a stylistic point of view, and not have to do a 180 like they did with Cobb. They have so much talent. I mean, think about where what McNabb was rolling out when in his tenure at Philadelphia. Now they got Shady McCoy and Macklin and, and, and Deshaun and Selleck. And this team is loaded for bear. I mean, they, they are, you know, playing a gritty NFC East, and they are about as fun, high-flying, West Coast style of team that you'll ever see. All right. I like Eli Manning more than most, and um, I think that that offense can be successful in spite of the loss of, uh, of uh, you know, security blanket Steve Smith. I think that was uh, a, an odd uh, sort of under-the-radar a move that nobody really oh, yeah. talked about when he, when he made his move there, but fine. I think that they're Manny on the outside. Can step in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're on the outside looking in, though. I just think that the, that their injuries uh, so far are going to decimate their defense. So, all right. So it comes down to the Eagles, and then the Cowboys are an interesting team. What do you think? I mean, you know, we've talked about Felix Jones, whether or not he can carry the load there. People are getting awfully excited about him because of how he's looked in preseason. Let's not get it's not, crazy. Not the first time. I mean, he I he had a great hard knocks a few years ago too. I mean, if you take a look, you have to take a big line and just draw it through last year's uh, Cowboy season. I mean, they they had a silly head coach. Nobody really cared. They had Roy Williams. Romo went out. It was just right. You know, just just throw it out. Dallas is a fun team because if they ever play to their potential, you would think that they can really get it together. I love Des Bryant. I love Felix Jones. They had a big problem with their offensive line last year. Huge. I mean, mainly that they were old. So they're going to try to get younger, which isn't always a good thing in the NFL because younger means less experience, harder blocking assignments. Is Romo going to be carted off the field again? But we have we have uh, Dallas 9-7, and seven, 25% hmm. to win the division. That's pretty good, but what really steps out – coin flip 50 percent to make the playoffs and this is coming from a team that was absolutely dreadful last year so what we're saying is that we think their offense is going to be good now they're going to have to at least beat philadelphia once and that might not be so easy to do i like the cowboys to be good this year i've got to take the eagles to win that division but i'm going to take the the cowboys and probably uh, give them a wild card there that defense the other thing to consider is rob ryan is in there now that defense is going to be refreshed and uh and i bet you is going to get back to where they were two years ago or close to and have some attitude as well yeah agree yeah. your pick eagles Eagles, all right. all right. But what about Dallas? I mean, are you feeling Dallas? Or are you Dallas over the Giants or vice versa? Dallas over the Giants for sure. Mm-hmm. I think the, the thing I like, it comes from a pure fantasy standpoint, is that Giants defense might be bad enough that Eli has to throw the ball a ton. 
cut down the interceptions. I like that. Dallas will finish higher. I'm starting now what we're starting to get into this. I'm trying to figure out because there's three teams I like for the wild card, but I'm going to go Eagles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. And uh, lastly, let's wrap it up with the uh, with the North there. Packers, as we've pointed out, people seem to forget that they didn't even win that division last year because Aaron Rodgers had to sit down for a spell there after getting conked on the head, and they were losing games. Yeah. yeah, they were losing games that they shouldn't be losing. Was that early game in like the six year. to nothing or something, like six to three against Detroit. That yeah, they, they had a couple. Yeah, yeah then they then they the played zone like four times. They played the Jets uh, nine nothing, right? Didn't they go yeah. into the Meadowlands and beat them nine nothing? Yeah, they had some weird games, and then suddenly they took off there. To me, the clear cut pick is is the Packers, but I also think that the Bears are going to stink it up this year. I, I don't disagree. You know, there's an interesting stat that came out from last year with Green Bay is they were never down by more than a touchdown at any point in the season. So you say, well, how you know? It's an do, amazing stat. Do they know how to handle adversity? That would be my first question. But then you take a look at the roster and what happened to them. Well, absolutely they know how to handle adversity. My only variable that I have on Green Bay, because we believe that they are the second-best team in the NFL behind the Patriots, we have them to go 11-5, and 75% to win the division, 87% to uh, make the playoffs, is Aaron Rodgers with a history of concussions. How does, you know, over 16 games where you have to try to play for a home field advantage where he'll play at least 15 of those 16 games all four quarters makes me nervous because when you when you get one, it's easier to get two, and when you get two, it's easier to get three, and he's shown that he's willing to get them. And Matt Flynn is not the guy. He played great in Sunday night, but he's not the guy. But with the weapons that they have, I believe that they will be smart enough to call plays that are effective for Rodgers. The real question is how good are the Lions going to be? If if Fairley's okay and Lashore's okay, you know they could be an eight and eight team in our simulations. Without them, we have about seven, seven and nine. But the fact is, they're nasty, nasty defense, nasty, nasty defense. You and I have always talked about Matt Stafford. I've never been a big Stafford guy, but he throws the ball and they air it out, and they at least are going to try to score some points. So the Lions that went undefeated or didn't win a game, those days are long gone. And you have to remember, the Lions are going to be a competitive team. It's going to be a really fun division because the Bears, we feel, are going to take a step back. I don't care what you say. I think what happened in that NFC Championship game with with Cutler will become an issue at some point. We might not read about it. I completely agree with that. And, and, you know, everybody poo-poos that, everybody inside the organization. I think that any adversity early in the season is is, uh, that's something that that's a team to watch ready to implode. And Lovey Smith has never put together consecutive good seasons. And then, you know, we just toss out the Vikings. I mean, they're rebuilding now. Agree. So what do you guys think? I go I go Packers and they're the one uh, the, the, uh, they're the one playoff team out of that division. Who finishes second in that division? I mean we, everybody's going to say the Packers and it's you know it's not hard to tight do. between tight tight between the Bears and the uh and the Lions mm-hmm. there. I mean obviously virtues on both teams there neither one is a, is good enough to make the playoffs. Packers and I will say Matt Flynn played good against the Patriots last year. If they need him he'll be fine. All right, so uh, so let's review then. We go. We agree on the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, I go. We all agree on the Saints. Mm-hmm. We all agree on the Eagles. This is lame. We're all agree- <laughs> we're all in agreement. This is no good. I do like the Cowboys though uh, to take a run at that division crown. And uh, and lastly, we we. we who cares? I mean, the the Niners in the meaningless division. I'll take I, the Niners, and and uh, so does AccuScore, and you take the uh, the birds, the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah cards you had something to say right no that was i thought you wanted i to said the fun in. no 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 the fun 
comes in the wild cards. Yes. All right, so let's go. So you have it boiled down to three teams. I say Cowboys and Falcons are the two wild cards. How say you rank? Lions. Mm-hmm. Ooh, fun. Falcons. All right, good. See, you're having fun at least with the Dolphins and the and the Lions pick there. The Lions are a legitimate team. I see. Yeah, I if, agree. If the Lions get tough and become the tough out that people think they might be in Stafford could stay on his feet, they should beat the Bears. They yes. could easily beat the Bears twice. They can easily beat Minnesota twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say McNabb stumbles. I'm telling you that Christian Ponder is not beating the Detroit Lions. He's not going to outsmart that defense. It's just not going to happen. Well, who says he's going to be out on the field? <laughs> well, I'm saying if McNabb stumbles, McNabb isn't what he used to mm-hmm. be. So it's very easy that the Lions— Well, the biggest problem for them isn't Don McNabb or Christian Ponder. It's that Percy Harvin's their number one. They don't have anybody to catch passes anymore. Yeah, and, and Adrian Peterson is I mean, not as hard to defend when you know he's going to get the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a tough, upright running back, you know, that big running back syndrome that we said, and he's he's got a lot of miles on himself. So, you know, Detroit's a great sleeper pick. I mean, the, we're gonna, we will say we like the Cowboys and the Falcons to make it. The next two would be Tampa Bay and Detroit. And you talk about toughness. Sue has the toughness that can make the Lions that strong team that people fear. Mm-hmm. A boy named Sue. All right, very good. So we'll wrap it up on that. And, uh, of course, AccuScore is the place to go to see all those 10,000 simulations. Please, not for my sake, for your own sake, Shoe. Don't depend on those computers. They're going to turn on you, don't you see? They haven't <laughs> turned on me yet, David. We're four years into it. Understand what history has taught us. Go watch. The future is now. Now, I'm like the guy from the scary movie who keeps, you know, won't leave the house, thinks everything's going to be okay. You're you're yelling, get out, get out. I'm staying. Accuscore.com. All right, All right get What's ready. You're going to wind up, <laughs> wind up with, a, with a knife in your eye or something like that. <laughs> All right, so listen, it's a pleasure to catch up with our old pal, The Shoe. There you have it. You can uh, you can track us down, of course, on iTunes, as always. And uh, look out for the uh, for the Damashek blog page. It's going to be up at some point. If it's not up already, um, it will be up soon and uh, lots of good stuff to check out there. We'll be back for more Huey and Applesauce later on. But in the meantime, Thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain unlimited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. 
Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 